Hi everyone, my name is Margie Krakowski with Wright Harima Architects. I'm chair of programs and have uh, asked Tony to join me up here. He's our co-chair of programs with Studley. Uh, we're doing a special program today with an audience response system, so we'll explain that in just a few minutes. Uh, next month, our program in April will be on the migration of tenants to the CBD, and we're also um, collaborating with the learning uh, committee on doing a breakfast program uh, in the suburbs in April. In May, our topic is change management. Uh, please continue to monitor our website, and uh, eBlasts will have more information. Today's program is being podcast and posted on the Coronet website. And if you have your MCR and are looking for continuing education credits, uh, there's a sign-up sheet by the registration desk. Uh, and as always, we encourage your feedback at the end of the program and through the ARS um, system, we'll be able to have that electronic this month. Special thank you to John Wickman with DTZ for helping us assemble today's program. And today's topic, CRE technology, the good, the bad, and the trendy. Please welcome to our stage our distinguished speakers. And also special thank you to our speakers for coming in from Arizona, Texas, and Michigan. We have uh, Simon Davis, Senior Managing Director, Client Solutions with Business Integration Group. Sid Eli, Director of Critical Systems and Project Management, Cushman and Wakefield, WellPoint and Robin Illerthorpe with um, Computerized Facility Integration. Now, uh, if you can look at the bios on your sheets, there is a QR code in the top right corner. For those of you with a scanning device on your smartphone, if you go and scan the QR code. And if you, if you can't scan the code, um, you, can, you can open a browser and uh, type in joinp1.com. Information's on your table. Given today's topic, we'd love to have everybody's response. You can ask questions during the event. You can respond to questions. We've got true falses, ABCDs. We hopefully have a lot of fun with it today. So um, having said that, is there anybody that has a problem before we get going? Or could those of you who are incredibly technologically uh, you know, gifted, could you help others at your table? Okay. And of course, the entire time I was speaking, you could have just read what's on this slide above me. Anybody having problems, please raise your hand. If not, we're going to get going. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Simon Davis. Um, you know, first, I'd like to thank you uh, all for having us here today to talk through a topic that's near and dear to my heart, uh, you know, which is really what the advancements are from a technology perspective and, and how they can help real estate. Um, John and the team treated us to a, an excellent dinner last night, and one of the funny things I want to recount uh, is that, you know, as we were discussing how this session came about, John was in a, a board meeting, somebody had suggested a topic, he emailed me, I instantly responded from my BlackBerry that I'd love to participate, and so within six minutes this session had come about, and, you know, just really proves, I think, how technology has advanced and how things are deployed. Um, I know personally, I found out yesterday that we had a new Pope through Twitter, and uh, I found out that Wes Walker had gone to the Broncos through my Facebook account. So, you know, those aspects and advances are certainly things that we're seeing more and more. I love a session like this where it's one of the few times that I like people looking at their phone when I'm talking, um, because hopefully it means they are going to interact. Um, it brings me really to just a bit of housekeeping. Um, we certainly want the interaction. So as we go through, there are going to be a variety of questions. Most of them are going to be numerical responses, and then you're going to see the live results. Uh, we do have uh, one or two fun ones where you can actually type in responses. Uh, please keep them 
as clean as possible, as clean as Chicago would allow. Um, and certainly as we go through Ask Questions, there is a Q&A functionality on the devices that you can actually ask a question and we'll pull those up. And we'll also stop at various points and ask if, if people have questions uh, related to the topics. Uh, and finally, offer experiences. Uh, a point I'll always make, you know, I'm glad for somebody in the audience to stand up if they want to argue with me about a point I make or if they want to bring their own point of view across. It's the important thing. It's sort of the collaboration to really get an understanding of the subject matters. So, so a very easy one to start with. Name your favorite Chicago sports team. Uh, this is going to be done. Type in. As I said, keep it relatively clean. And uh, let's see what we have. One thing this really proves is how long 30 seconds actually is. Great, okay, so let's see the results. Oh, sorry, I need to turn around. So I guess probably not, uh, not, not too many surprises there. A couple of, couple of de bears there, which I, I prefer than the, the formal name. Um, this might have changed people's responses, but Tony just reminded me that everybody's responses are uh, autonomous, so or, you know, they're, they're hidden, so we don't really know which one of you uh, put those different responses up. But uh, so yeah, looks like so the bears and, and the Blackhawks. Um, the good thing is my original question was going to be related to when the Blackhawks losing, uh, winning streak was going to end, so I'm glad we didn't have that one up there uh, since they took care of that for us at the weekend. Um, you know, it brings up a serious point, though. You know, the intent of what we're doing today is really showing how we can use technology, getting your input and feedback, um, and one certain very key aspect uh, is going to be responding to these questions, and then we'll talk about the results. So uh, here's a, a very easy question for everybody. What type of smart device are you using? Uh, Apple devices, Droid, Blackberry, Windows Phone, or other? Um, so again, let's go ahead. Just 10 seconds this time, so you've got to be quick on the numbers this time. And the results are in. Wow. Uh, probably not that big a surprise. 71% uh, using Apple devices. Um, I'm glad that came out how it did, because you know, really one of the other points that I want to make is how quickly technology is evolving. If you'd have asked this question 12 months or even maybe uh, you know, nine months ago, BlackBerry would probably be way high up there. Um, you know, Apple is really obviously becoming more and more synonymous with corporate work, um, you know, and, and to some degree uh, outshining the, the BlackBerry's capabilities. But it's also making people like myself really look at how we deploy and build technology and how people can use the devices that you use in your everyday life in order to enhance your work experience. So uh, now let's get into it. Um, obviously, uh, as you're already aware, the speakers, so I'm not going to go through all of that. Um, what we're going to be covering today is really three main aspects. Uh, the first piece uh, is going to be just an introduction to IWMS. Um, not everybody knows what it is, so we're going to try and put a, you know, a, a, a brief together about what IWMS means uh, and how it can benefit you. Then we're going to talk about, uh, John actually came up with the title, The Good, The Bad, and The Trendy. Um, if John had been up here, it could have been the good, the bad, and the ugly, but uh, I guess uh, the trend you will have to do. Um, but we'll talk about uh, the benefits of an IWMS, what they can help your companies realize, uh, and also Sid's here actually to give his uh, expert opinion on how this was actually deployed with WellPoint, uh, the Indianapolis-based uh, 
uh, insurance company. So he'll give you uh, his insights on that. Um, Robin has got a bit of a, you know, a, a double-edged sword in all honesty. He's going to talk about the bad. Things can go wrong, things do go wrong, it's life. He's going to talk about those elements, you know, what lessons can be learned from deployments and what pitfalls to avoid. But he's also got the fun point, which is the trendy. Um, many of you may have seen uh, perfect opportune timing and completely coincidentally, uh, this month's Leader magazine is actually talking about the future of technology. Uh, and Robin and a group of other resources worked on the CRE 2020 vision. So I think you're going to really enjoy him talking you through that component. So what is an IWMS? Uh, I don't have a question, but just by show of hands, how many people here think they know what an IWMS is? Great. Well, you're my perfect audience then. Um, so IWMS, um, you know, as uh, technology providers, we love our acronyms. Uh, IWMS is Integrated Workplace Management Systems. In essence, what they are is applications and solutions that can manage all of the aspects of uh, corporate real estate if utilized to, to their fullest capacity. So they are what we would consider to be enterprise-level systems, i.e., you know, they're big, powerful, robust applications, typically that run off one single database, uh, but also that have tools that you can utilize to actually manage and augment the workflow. At the end of the day, everything we're trying to do is make people's life easier, quicker, uh, and more logical. Executive dashboarding. Dashboard is, is probably one of the most overused phrases in, in the industry these days, but you know, really having that quick view of what's happening right now within your portfolio, you know, what challenges you're facing, what opportunities you might have. And then the final piece is predefined reporting capabilities. So um, IWMS certainly comes in many flavors. There's, there's a lot of companies that just purely provide IWMS solutions. And I'm going to talk a little bit about those solutions. And I'm going to talk about some of the uh, existing architecture and landscape as well. Uh, in real estate terms, I think it's still relatively new, uh, as I've probably we, we gathered by the show of hands. Um, IWMS really started uh, the infancy in the 80s when people were predominantly using CAD solutions and spreadsheets for managing their real estate. In the 90s, more point solutions came on board. So applications that you could use to run one aspect of your business. So perhaps a lease harbor for managing your leases or a Maximo for running your maintenance programs. And then really around the 2000s, several players started developing integrated solutions, uh, Big Center being one of them. Uh, other companies you may have come across, Tririga, Manhattan, Centerstone, et cetera. Uh, Gartner does some great research if you're interested in learning more about the individual companies. Um, and really the integration and the intent is to be able to leverage information within the systems to make quick, easy, uh, and better decisions within your portfolio. Okay, so uh, a little more detail about what IWMS is. Um, as I mentioned, the intent of IWMS is to cover all the core aspects of real estate, which the analyst firm Gartner have identified as these five main tenants here. So starting on the left, project management. So you know, looking at actually how you're managing capital projects, investments within your organization, changes to the portfolio, um, and really managing the day-to-day -day details of those elements. So looking at things like milestones, tasks, budgets, uh, in all honesty, so you can track and make sure that you know, you're on time and you're not over budget. It's a, a more of a simplistic way of looking at it. But, you know, a lot of detail that can, can be filtered into that. Included in that bucket as well is transaction management. So as you're going through and you're doing uh, deals for, you know, potential new locations, et cetera, and transactions, managing those components within, within that uh, bucket as well. Uh, the second bucket, portfolio management, um, often referred to as lease administration. Uh, portfolio, I think, is getting more and more common usage, primarily because of the fact that these systems do cater for owned and leased buildings. Uh, and really enable you to manage all of the legal and financial obligations contained therein. So being able to track things like what you're paying for your rentals, what you're paying for additional expenses, being able to track critical dates, and importantly then to give you insight in terms of 
you know, when, when, when might we be able to get out of this space? When do we have an option that we can terminate a lease? Or when do we need to start looking at additional space as we expand? Um, the third element, the occupancy in the FM, uh, so facilities management and occupancy, is really what I regard as, as you know, managing the day-to-day -day operations. So keeping every business that we all represent afloat. At the end of the day, I would imagine the majority of the people in this room uh, are um, you know, reporting and delivering services to an occupier of space. And that occupier, in all honesty, wants to have as easy a time as they possibly can in their space. But when they do have an issue, maybe they're too hot in their office or the light bulb's burnt out, they need a quick and easy way of responding to that. From a corporate level, certainly from an occupancy perspective, is the ability to look and trend and track how well space is being utilized, where we have vacant space, uh, and again, the options for consolidation. So being able to tie those components in to most efficiently manage and utilize the space within an organization. Um, maintenance and operation, you know, really looking at the, the higher level maintenance. So obviously, you know, the uh, things we take for granted, like the lighting, the elevators, the uh, electricity we have in our buildings, being able to manage those to the level required, uh, both in an efficient perspective uh, and also uh, in a safe and secure uh, aspect. So we ensure that the maintenance is appropriately carried out and ensure the people that are in our buildings day in, day out are safe. Uh, and also being able to leverage and, and uh, ensure that the uh, equipment we're using is getting the best possible leverage in the maximum life. Then the final piece, still relatively new. Uh, you know, green from a technology perspective, I, I really saw uh, you know, the, the, the big burst about two years ago. Uh, there's probably about 350 systems on the market that purport to track sustainability. Gartner last year included uh, sustainability as one of the core aspects for uh, what they uh, publish every year, which is the Magic Quadrant. And the Magic Quadrant ranks, rates, uh, application providers uh, in terms of how Gartner feel they deliver to the market. So sustainability is becoming, you know, certainly more and more uh, of a key component. I think there is some slow adoption uh, from what I'm seeing. I think a lot of people like to talk green, but we're not necessarily seeing the solutions fill all the way through. Uh, now, just to get a bit of a, a view now, I've given you a brief intro. Uh, I just want everybody to categorize what kind of solution you have currently in place. So spreadsheets, in-house systems, by which I mean systems that your IT departments have built uh, that, that uh, manage uh, real estate information. Point solutions, so being those commercially available applications like a Lease Harbor or a Maximo that provide you with single solutions. Um, IWMS, as hopefully I just explained, um, or number five being all of the above. So give me 10 seconds rest from speaking. Civil dance to music if you like. Okay, so let's see the results. Um, it's uh, it, it pretty intriguing. Um, so obviously it looks like the majority of people are either using spreadsheets or, or their own in-house systems. So you know, really it proves that sort of the uh, the market is still maturing. Uh, it's still relatively young, uh, and I'm very glad again of the results because uh, I have a a little slide that I, I preferred, prepared earlier. This is actually research that Cornet and Deloitte did in 2010. So it's almost three years old, but it really points back to what you just uh, indicated in your responses, that for most real estate and facilities organizations, the use of technology is centered around one or two predominant systems. There's no clear industry favored system. Most companies still develop in-house systems or use Excel. So it's intriguing to see the responses still correlate with that findings from, from 2010. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's obviously something that uh, is expanding in various organizations, and, and hopefully the reason that you guys are all here is, is to learn more about how it can help and the benefits. 
When we talk about in-house systems, you know, we look at some limitations that certainly apply. Uh, one, they can be very expensive to maintain because you're having to staff resources to actually maintain, manage, train, and support applications. Two, limited development inputs, by which I mean, you know, if you're building something in-house, then you only have the resources at your beck and call that can help input into that. Uh, I personally have found that in the eight years that uh, I've lived in the US, you probably gathered already that I'm not a native uh, American. Uh, I, I don't mean Native American, but you know what I mean. Um, that, uh, you know, organizations such as Corner have really helped me because it means that I can actually go out and I can speak to friends and colleagues, get their input in terms of what kinds of things are actually required uh, within systems, and it really helps us to build and manage and improve our solutions. Uh, In-house systems can also be lengthy in implementation. Everybody fights for IT resources. So if you're trying to get your IT team to build something while they're also deploying things and supporting their mail servers and supporting other aspects of the business, it can take a long time. Uh, and that reliance on internal resources can often bring sort of single points of failure whereby if one resource who has the subject matter expertise leaves, then all of a sudden you don't have anybody supporting your operations. Finally, likely integration requirements, by which I mean uh, in most environments and most organizations that we work with, you're looking at integrating systems from both a financial uh, and a human resources perspective so you can better track and manage data. Uh, they're complicated builds often, um, so if you have an in-house team, it, it may be difficult to uh, actually get those delivered. Standalone Excel systems, I always love the air quotes. Um, you know, certainly deployment issues is something, there, there are tools that are getting better at this, but you know, we found if you have a spreadsheet at the end of the day that's on your desktop, it's gonna be hard for your colleague over in California to view that same spreadsheet and to update that information. I think tools like SharePoint have actually really helped that along, um, but you know, there are still uh, systems that are kept on people's own personal drives. Data integrity challenges. You know, by using a, a spreadsheet, you can type anything in. Um, so obviously it's difficult to maintain the integrity of that information uh, and certainly ties into the compliance perspective. Um, it, it's very interesting aside, I did this presentation or a similar presentation two years ago and I actually had a slide that I picked out and the slide said, what is going to be the biggest thing in real estate in the next nine months? And I had three answers and all three answers were FASB 13. Uh, it amazes me that two years later, FASB 13 or the proposed lease accounting change rules to make leases capital still haven't come true. But it's a great example of how, when that does come in, it's going to be very, very difficult for organizations to manage on spreadsheets uh, and also to get the appropriate auditing on a spreadsheet uh, as regards how they're actually accounting for their leases. <clears throat> uh, with uh, Excel, it's also difficult to roll that information up. Again, something that SharePoint has to a degree uh, enabled uh, and then also limited on the workflow perspective. So uh, another question for you, so heads down. Uh, Please rank uh, these items in order of their significance to your technology decisions. So we have cost, we have integrity of information, we have whether the tools are leading edge, so I expect all of my iPad users to hit that one, uh, whether they're easy to use, uh, or speed of implementation. Sid, can you dance for 30 seconds? We really should have got the Jeopardy music. Oh, I guess some people aren't pressing send. There's a send button there, but the percentages still look good. Uh, intriguing. Uh, again, I've done this presentation before where I actually took cost out because I had assumed incorrectly that most people would put costs as the number one driver. 
uh, pretty intriguing that ease of use uh, is, is really a big mantra these days. And I think one of the challenges facing many of us in the software world, not just in real estate, is developing quickly and easily applications that are similar in functionality, capability, and ease of use to things you use regularly on a social basis. I'm a big Facebook guy, a big tweeter. I'm hoping some people are tweeting today. Um, you know, and those kinds of applications, they make it quick and easy to use. Uh, and it's, it's challenging from an IT perspective to keep up with that, but it's a good challenge. And uh, you know, it's great to be able to get inputs and to be able to understand what people are utilizing to, to manage their real estate. Um, cost, obviously, is important. And I think one of the core aspects, if you looked at IWMS uh, you know, five, certainly 10 years ago, it was back in the dog days when systems were costing millions and millions of dollars to deploy. Uh, glad to say that that is definitely uh, not the case anymore. Uh, most organizations are now trying to build systems uh, that rely heavily on being configured uh, rather than having to have extensive development uh, carried out. And I'm hoping my, uh, my friend and colleague Sid's going to talk a bit about his experience of that with WellPoint as we go forwards. Um, integrity of information certainly is a core aspect, and it's great to see that. It's something that oftentimes gets left behind. So the big uh, reason I asked that question is to, to give you an answer of, of how those different drivers can actually be managed and met using an integrated workplace management system. Um, typically, you are looking at a lower cost. As I mentioned earlier, configuration of systems versus heavy customization. Uh, enforced data integrity, so systems actually ensuring that data is controlled, uh, and even systems being able to send messages, notifications if you're out of certain tolerances. Workflow, dashboard, and business intelligence ready. For those of you not familiar with business intelligence, again, very heavily utilized in all industries. Uh, my wife actually works for GoDaddy, and uh, they do all of the analytics for the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, BI is one of their biggest departments because based on their analytics, they're projecting out what they should then charge for the next commercial in terms of their, uh, the services that they're offering. So business intelligence really, to me, is the ability for information to present you with options so you can make quick decisions. Ease of use. Uh, quick implementation. So typical IWS implementations, and I say typical, uh, can be deployed in between 90 and 120 days, which may seem a lot for those of you that are using Excel systems, but really, as, as Sid will point to later on, you know, when you are using a multitude of different systems and trying to consolidate into one, it can be a challenge. And this is actually very quick turnaround times. And it's really when you can start realizing the benefits of the systems as well. Uh, finally, scalability. Uh, again, I mentioned the five main tenants or buckets earlier. You don't have to go with all five. Many of my clients start out by using one application that's probably more tactical in nature. Maybe they have a real need for managing their leases or for managing their facilities. And then you can scale as you go through. Uh, the other point that I do like to add is thought leadership. You know, I love doing these sessions, and I've done these with many of my competitors, because by getting everybody in a room, we have a great understanding of what's actually happening and what's being driven in the industry. We can get your perspective as end users and as real estate professionals, and we can also get the perspective of uh, development teams from other companies, uh, and also resources such as Robin, who work more on the consultancy side and have you know, a true view of all of the applications that are available. So um, here is a, a variation on that question, but what would you say is the key bottom line element for your organization? Cost savings, shorter lead times, increased quality, increased customer satisfaction, or environmental consciousness? Oh, it's come up a slightly different way here. Um, okay, so customer satisfaction uh, seems to be the leader in that area. 
which again is intriguing. Cost savings is oftentimes one of the biggest drivers, but I think we're all recognizing that at the end of the day, we need to make sure that our clients, whomever they may be, uh, you know, whether you're a service provider, whether you're a corporate real estate professional servicing uh, you know, clients, whether you're an industrial portfolio, or whether you're a transaction manager, people want to be happy with what you're doing. Uh, and really that customer satisfaction element is, is definitely a, a very core aspect. So uh, intriguing to see that. Obviously, cost savings do still drive through as well. Um, again, really with the, uh, with, the, with the premise of the question, um, IWMS can actually help to deliver all of those elements. So shorter lead times. Uh, one very simple way is that IWMS systems uh, can be programmed and set up so that you have basic common practices that are uh, routed through workflows. So for example, I am based in Arizona. If I pick up the phone, I call my call center and I say I'm too hot, the system should be able to provide the ability to automatically send that message out to the relevant provider so he or she can attend to the issue. They can attend to that issue in accordance with prescribed service levels so then the corporate teams can then go in and see that we are delivering those services that we promise. Um, Sid, just a deep breath. Deep breath. Sorry, I thought he was going to say something enlightening, but uh, I've known Sid long enough. Um, process consistency. Um, you know, really just looking at making sure that the same process is followed. Uh, a lot of large global organizations, you want to make sure that things are done the same way, primarily because if they're not done the same way, it becomes very hard to benchmark, hard to track, and hard to compare. Uh, online approvals. How many people here have got a role where they have to approve things such as purchase orders, invoices, transactions? Show of hands. And how many of you are doing those things mobily? The much smaller show of hands. Um, so, you know, again, being able to shorten lead times by being able to provide solutions where if you are walking down the street and you suddenly get a notification that you've got to approve a PO, you can do it on your handheld or on your iPad or whatever the device. Uh, and then also instant notification, being able to see information as it happens when a problem occurs, being able to be informed of that so you can get in front of that before it causes real issues. Um, also, from a short lead term perspective, mobility, um, you know, being able to see on a mobile device real-time data inputs. Uh, again, intriguingly, I did this presentation a few years back. That graphic on the um, right-hand side was actually just of a BlackBerry device. So with the way that tools have advanced in the last years, it's pretty intriguing. Um, but being able to um, you know, see that information as it happens, um, being able to resolve issues, again, mobily without having to go back to your desk and turn, up, turn on your computer, uh, and also reduction overhead. I, I personally like the, uh, the image on the right-hand side of the golf cart, because that's where ideally I want to be using my mobile devices. Um, Web-based technology, obviously, as we're all aware, anytime, anywhere, being able to access information. Uh, you know, the prevalence for those of you like me that uh, are road warriors of internet availability on flights now. Um, as an aside, it kind of disappoints me. I used to love that as being my only downtime when nobody could get hold of me. But now virtually every flight I go on has got internet. Uh, so nice from a, from a, a work perspective. Uh, and the last piece here, BYOD. Anybody know what BYOD means? And that is a D, not a B, Tony. Bring your own device, great. So uh, again, you know, uh, this is becoming more and more popular, and I think it's something that Robin's going to touch upon uh, a little bit later on. But more and more people now are being allowed by their organizations to come in to their workplace with their own device. So I have my own iPad. It's not a corporate iPad. I get it connected up so I can get my emails. It's really going to change how technology is managed, supported, uh, and really also change the cost components. Um, just a, a, br a brief mention about increased quality. Uh, you know, really looking at being able to use tools to identify opportunities. Uh, this graphic, which you probably at the back, you've got no idea what it says, um, basically shows three different images. The first image is a dashboard showing me where I have underutilized space that I'm paying over lease, uh, uh, sorry, over market rate for. The second graphic is uh, indicating when I'm going to reach a critical mass within my space. And then the third graphic is actually a floor plan. 
So being able to use the information to immediately see, I've got an opportunity to reduce my space. How can I leverage that by moving people to another location and then physically carrying out that work? So we're looking at strategic planning, uh, but also looking at information that's real time and it's looking forwards. Uh, employee portals, I'm sure many of you are familiar with these, but you know, quick and easy methods where you can go in and, for example, create a work request or pull up a lease, um, really providing the ability to rapidly enter information. We've done some studies when you know, look at facilities help desk, for example. Uh, it uh, takes, you know, on average, about two minutes to record a call. It takes about 30 seconds to do the same thing online. So being able to provide employees with the ability to go online, put a request in, uh, you know, makes it quick. You get the constant information flow, so I'm not then having to call up you know, the, uh, the company to find out what's happening. I can go online and see what's happening. And you can also provide instant feedback. So it's getting back, you know, your commentary to, uh, you know, the, the uh, organization about how satisfied you are with, this, with the services. Uh, we've really seen that reduce help desk volumes and costs. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think what we all need to do uh, is be in a position where we can help those people maintain the focus on what they do for a living because they don't want to be picking up the phone and calling in issues. They don't want to be reporting problems within a building. They want to be focusing on whatever it is they do. Uh, environmental consciousness is the fifth point. You know, again, green considerations, uh, obviously looking at uh, carbon reduction commitments, being able to track how you're doing versus the target, uh, certainly very prevalent, a lot more so I've seen on the West Coast. Um, being able to focus as well on certain areas. You know, one of the other things these systems do that I think is key is it really filters information. So you're only seeing what's important to you. So I can see, for example, that you know, my little Florida is red there. Well, that is going to indicate immediately and logically that there's a problem. So I can interrogate that information more. Uh, also then, you know, benchmarking, comparative uh, analysis of sites versus one another. And again, intriguingly, and something that I've has always resonated after it came up at Cornet, um, I can't remember whether it was second or third, but attracting and retaining talent two or three years ago at the Cornet sessions was indicated as uh, the second or third reason why people uh, who are looking for jobs choose a company. So being able to prove that you are uh, you know, uh, living up to, to your promises about sustainability is certainly very key for the generation of workers that are coming through now. So um, uh, another question here, what benefits have you realized during this session so far? Gained an understanding of IWMS, reviewed my email inbox, or achieved a high score on Angry Birds? Again, I did this two years ago and that said achieved a high score on Brick Breaker. I'm really hoping one's going to have a good score on this one. Well, great, excellent. Well, congratulations to the uh, the five percent of you with your with your high score on Angry Birds. It's great. Um, to the 82, I thank you. Uh, you know, uh, certainly more than happy after the session to provide you with more information. And actually, if people are interested, to show you examples of the solution. Uh, I very much, you know, adhere to Cornet's belief that these are educational. It's not me trying to sell the system. There's no better way for me to educate you than to hand you over to uh, my friend Sid Eli. Sid's going to talk about how these systems were implemented and successfully managed uh, with his organization. So thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'd like to start off by saying the significant problems we face today cannot be resolved by the same thought that created them. Uh, we're in a technology conference. Uh, Albert Einstein said that. Um, and so I thought it might be appropriate with a little thought leadership to, to bring in a quote from uh, Mr. Albert Einstein. So let's talk about uh, WellPoint. WellPoint. Does everybody know what WellPoint is? Healthcare company, right? Well, WellPoint's actually a parent company. 
um, for the Blue Cross Blue Shield brand, uh, the number one branded healthcare in America. Uh, WellPoint also uh, has subsidiary companies um, in four countries uh, in 20 states. So we have uh, WPMI in China, we have DCARE in Ireland, we have GenPAC in India, and we have uh, an offshoring data entry group in Jamaica. And then we, we're out throughout the continental United States. So pretty dynamic company. Uh, 40,000 employees, 8 million square feet growing. Um, we have a latest acquisition with the mayor group. So a very dynamic company. Uh, with uh, today's technology conference in IWMS systems and CMMS systems, really we brought into um, play our strategy. And I'm going to walk around because I... I I pace and, and talk. We brought it into this strategy. It was, really a, it was really a movement in 2009 for WellPoint to um, outsource its corporate real estate function to Cushman Wakefield. And so we had the trifecta. We were taking in-house in systems. We dumped those in-house systems. We outsourced our entire real estate portfolio to Cushman Wakefield. That's um, facility operations, project management, uh, Studley has our transaction services, and then we changed our entire process. So we had about six different systems, in-house systems, where we uh, self-developed, we had a work order wonder, we had a whole, whole bunch of different systems that we were using, and so we said, okay, let's take the leap of faith. We're not really sure what IWMS is, or workplace management systems are, um, and we basically jumped. Okay, so that was 2009 in April. Just a little bit of background on WellPoint. You can go to their website, you can see it. Uh, the statistics we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, CRE goals, we had one goal. Our goal was cost savings. And then our number two goal was customer service. Um, those are CPIs and KPIs with Cushman Wakefield and the account that uh, WellPoint has with Cushman Wakefield. Cushman Wakefield packaged together with Big Center this IWMS system. Mm -hmm. So again, we, we launched that. And I have to say in the first year, um, the, within the first 30 days, we had uh, workforce management up online, call center going. Within 90 days, we had integrated it all. All leases, all transaction, occupancy center, project management, and day-to-day uh, maintenance, maintenance operations. So uh, I would love to say the integration is done. We're in year three and we're still integrating. What we did is we, we learned from this system. In a true um, integrated workplace management system, you really learn from it. it. It teaches you what you didn't know. You know, that, that phrase, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, so uh, what ended up happening is we would get information and we'd be like, oh, that's really cool, but we really want more information. And oh, if we tweak this, we can glean this. And so now, three years into it, we're, we're moving into more of a strategic uh, utilization of the tool. We were very tactical uh, year one, 18 months. Uh, year two, we started getting strategic. And now in year three, we're very much uh, getting into, into a, a, a strategic position. And so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we talked about that already. This is the IWMS system. Okay, so um, when I talk about strategic, 
day-to-day -day work order processing, day-to-day, -day, hey, where, where does someone sit from a move ad change perspective, day-to-day -day lease management, we have an expiration, a lease expiration, a renewal, a contraction option. You know, that's the tactical work. So when, when we're talking about IWMS systems and we're talking about strategic utilization of that, what uh, we're really getting into is looking at labor utilization. We have so many people doing so many tasks. Are they doing that efficiently? Are they doing that within prescribed industry standards? Are we paying the right people to do the right job? Um, a, a, a senior uh, chief building engineer shouldn't be doing conference room setups. Um, we should be utilizing apprentice engineers to change out filters and fans and bells. Um, we should be having associate project managers or MAC managers moving 10, 10 people, not utilizing a, a senior project manager to do that. So this labor utilization piece is kind of where we are today. Um, additionally, with Occupancy Center, in an overall strategic view and utilization of an IWMS system is in Occupancy Center, we are seeing now space utilization. And we're actually putting a dollar amount to that space utilization cost. And so what we're able to do is say, look, this building has 1,500 seats, but only 70% are occupied 40% of the time. And uh, it's been very interesting in some of the calls where we've said, okay, Vice President, okay, Senior Vice President, you've been in your office once in eight months, overlaying badge data with occupancy data. Very interesting, some of these conversations that we're having. But what that's led us to do is develop flex space, um, drop-in stations, capsule rooms, integrated work areas, and say, look, we can take our overall footprint and overall space need down. It's very strategic. We couldn't do that before, not with 25 different systems, not with the job being collect the data, analyze the data. That's what we're doing. Now we've got a system that collects the data, standardizes the data, and allows us to look at the data and then utilize that data. So um, interesting position that we're in. Will our integration stop? I don't think so. Our integration is going to continue. We talked about four silos. Uh, there's really two more silos in IWMS, and that's security and uh, business continuity. And if you look out in the world, um, in the industry, you'll see business continuity and security becoming very much an integral part of this. So let's continue. Data, oh, sorry, too much. Go back one. There we go. Data is key. Um, in choosing an IMS, uh, IWMS system, yeah, the product that you choose has got to talk with your data feeds, something that we learned. We had PeopleSoft, we had a GX system, we had um, a, a self-developed internal work order system. So data is key. Uh, whatever system that you choose to use or are moving to, um, they need a talk. Um, Ar Arquebus is one, uh, long talk. Um, so data is key. Resources drive effectiveness. Ha, this is funny. Uh, this little story to share. Um, when you're looking at a technology, not everyone has Blackberries. Uh, iPads, smartphones. We had building engineers in the maintenance system that, that don't have Facebook accounts, don't have Twitter accounts, don't have um, really technology literacy. And we're, we're now saying, okay, here's a BlackBerry. 
You're going to get all your work from this device. You're going to input your time in this device. So we, there was a really an acclimation of the technology to our veteran uh, building engineers, our veteran senior facility managers that aren't, aren't technically literate. And so that was, that was a big lesson learned. And I, I uh, wanted to share that. Training and technology acclimation was, was, was and actually still continues to be a challenge for us today. Well, point. So I'm going to hand it off to Robin. And Robin, well, I think going. actually what we were just talking about uh, was was maybe this would be a good point to just pause and see if there are any questions right. about what we've covered so far, and then Robin's going to talk about the the, the bad and the trendy aspects. But feel free to grill Sid. Yeah. So here's on. your chance. Questions for me with regard to IWMS application implementation? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, in our rollout, in our implementation, they actually had a, correct, they have a BlackBerry, right. And, and again, we've got 40-year veterans that have never even seen a BlackBerry or even worked on a BlackBerry, much less logged into an IWMS system to, to log their time, log their activity, successful or completed an activity. One way in the back. And Margie's running. Yeah, you can also uh, type questions in on your phone if you're too embarrassed to put your hand up. Well, if I would have known that, I would have typed it on my phone. Um, so you had buy-in from the top down on basically that requirement of getting technolo technologically trained, getting the, on mobile. But most of the time, that kind of comes from the bottom up or from one division. So how do you handle or suggest handling that challenge where you want to have the entire company integrated te technologi technologically, but it comes from the marketing department and this department over here is still doing their own thing. What is your suggestion when it doesn't come from the top down, when it comes from a different area? That's a great question. And we actually fought that a little bit. Um, our executive leadership team, the IT and technology side completely understood. So how we sold it to really the operational side was um, right now we have the data, but the data is managing us. Our job is collecting the data, storing the data, not analyzing the data, not using the data to, in effect, create synergies. Um, we couldn't say, okay, this 500,000 square foot building that we have in St. Louis, Missouri, is running as efficiently or is staffed appropriately as our Woodland Hills, California facility. And so, which they're within eight square feet, uh, eight square feet of each other. And so, um, in selling the system, we said, look, this is going to give us the data and let the data present a solution. And the solution was really cost savings. Really, really, really cost savings. You know, the other thing I'd add to that is I, I, it's a great question. I think one of the big points is education. Um, I was in a scenario about a year ago where I got an RFP for lease administration technology from a company, and a month later got an RFP for facilities management. The two departments didn't know what was going on. They had separate RFP processes running. And it is, it's the education piece. You know, unfortunately, I, I always try and steer word, away from the word silos, but the graphic we showed earlier with the five elements, they can be very siloed in any organization where your facilities people may not know what the lease people are doing, et cetera. So uh, it is really educating and getting the benefits. 
Um, you know, on the flip side, I've worked with many companies that have come to me and said, you know, we do need a lease administration solution. And through the education and working with those clients, they then realize, well, actually, we should get our facilities guys to come in and take a look at this. Because if we can see the terms of the lease before we go out and carry out maintenance, maybe we're going to realize we don't have to do that maintenance. So, uh, you know, I think the education piece is definitely key. Gentlemen, I know we have uh, another panelist to still hear from, but we did get one question from our electronic request. Great. And the question is, what about value on the investment? Oh, this is a great question. Um, and actually, when you were talking about buy-in from the bottom up and how we actually got buy-in from the top down, our CEO and our CFO were heavily courted by IBM and Accenture, who both have their own IWMS systems. And those two systems basically got a buzz going in the ELT, and the executive leadership team then came to the head of real estate to say, hey, real estate, what are you doing about an integrated workplace management system? And oh, by the way, here's one for $5 million. Here's one for $3 million. And we laughed and said, well, you know, in our outsourcing arrangement and with our, our relationship with now Cushman Wakefield, Here's ours at a fraction of the cost. All right. Any okay. any any last questions? Oh, one last one. Want to hold it until then? Can you hold it till then, till Robin? And and I'm available afterwards. Would love to tell you the heartburns, headaches, hiccups. So please come grill me. Thank you. Simon, thank you for the. Great discussion about IWMS, Integrated Workplace Management Systems. Um, Sydney, Wellpoint, how many people here watch Jeopardy? This old school, okay, watch Jeopardy, okay. How many people saw, um, please stick with me because my voice may hang on as long as I do. How many people saw Watson beat the human beings on Jeopardy? Okay, I want you to know that Wellpoint in addition to everything that Sydney just said, was one of the first major corporations to hire, our, uh, hire IBM and Watson to integrate Watson into their business. And I think that in itself is a huge, huge deal. So you may not know that. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. And, but I was, I was talking too much. So. <laughs> there you go. It said too much. All right. We're going to do one question. Have... Uh, what is your experience of IWMS implementations? I suspect that there's only going to be a few people in the room that have experience, but what is it? And um, you, you've never considered it. You've considered but did not implement it. You've implemented it successfully. <laughs> I can predict this one. Um, you've implemented with some issues <clears throat> or you've implemented with significant issues. You get about 10 seconds. I don't get music. <laughs> Downgraded. Okay, and the answer is never considered 34%. That's, that's pretty much expected. The one that I'm worried about is implemented successfully is um, among the lowest. So uh, what I'm going to talk about is some of the problems associated with um, any technology 
but um, in, in particular technology related to real estate. So um, as a caveat, I'd like to point out that not all of these um, were problems that um, uh, I or my team generated. Okay, so cut me some slack. I won't tell you which ones. <laughs> um, the number one, uh, and, and Simon really talked about it um, in the beginning, uh, garbage in, garbage out. So a major part of implementing an IWMS system, uh, especially one that's consistent across all of the silos, is you have to have a very robust uh, data to back up um, the system. Because now, instead of just having a spreadsheet, of which there could be multiple versions around the same office, let alone different offices across the country or across the world, what happens when you start overlaying complexities like workflow automation for move management or for maintenance and operations? Once you start overflowing, uh, overlaying workflow on that and you start out with bad data, you don't have any standards, which I think is number three there. If you don't have a consistent way of talking about your buildings, about um, talking about something as simple as addressing. Are you using the US Postal Service standard for addressing or are you doing your own? Is, uh, does it include a lat latitude, longitude, um, and a, a Z so that you can understand what floor you're on um, based on what's coming with, with phones? We already have GPS technology. You probably don't know that it's very accurate vertically as well as horizontally. And that's going to be used more and more uh, by maintenance and by employees. Um, but the one that's really interesting to me, and maybe I did have something to do with this 15 years ago, is phantom space. Does anybody know what that is? Phantom space um, emerged early in our industry. I'm an architect and uh, designed buildings for a long time and then went into this technology business about 20 years ago. And one of the first things that we did is we went out and measured space and we, um, we documented it on CAD drawings and then we polylined that space. Polyline is, a, um, is maybe a knot orthogonal or just a line around an open space. And what happens is, is when you commit, we didn't have the legal language, we didn't have the maturity in the business. When you commit that you're delivering that square footage that the client then takes to a lease or takes to um, some accountability thing like revenue that they expect, and that's wrong, then you have phantom space. So that's something that uh, maybe is not so critical today because all of the leases are accurate and, uh, and everything you can depend on everything, including the dates. Um, the next one is, is got feeds. So these IWMS systems, they live and breathe on updated and accurate information. So if you want to know about employees, well, where does that come from? That comes from an employee database. It comes from um, a lot of people now, a lot of companies are using Outlook through their Active Directory um, to, uh, to identify as the gold standard where the employees are, who they are, and where they're sitting. Um, I've also often counseled facilities and real estate organizations that sometimes you don't want to be the owner of information. Sometimes you want the organization that is really responsible for it to budget for it and care for it on a day-to-day -day basis because that may not be your competency. The next one is uh, on, on lessons learned is out-of-the-box versus highly configured. I think six years ago, eight years ago, 
a lot of the industry went in and started solving problems and started saying, we're going to make this baby dance for you. We're going to put your brand on it. We're going to make it do exactly what your company wants to do the way that you do it. And that's where the number of failures really peaks. So OOTB is out of the box. And um, now, I think this is the second or third generation of, of better IWMS applications. Out of the box really comes with um, industry standards, something that you can benchmark against, something that you know, your teams really have to think before you modify it. And the IT organization is now keyed into this. The CIO certainly is, and the business units certainly are learning about it. Um, version control uh, about the information, this is inherent um, in the data that you're using. So this ties with got feeds. Is your feed going to run um, monthly, weekly, daily, hourly? All of these choices have impacts, and if you pick the wrong one, it's not catastrophic. It's just that you're not going to be able to get your reporting the way that you, that you expect it to be. And certainly, when you do the dashboard level or aggregate reports to start reporting on utilization, on um, cost chargebacks for space and whatnot with your operating units, that's when it matters. And then the last one is um, moving into the world from um, Excel spreadsheets and God bless Microsoft, Microsoft Access. Um, into what I call adult databases. So um, every team that I've built in the last 10 years, I've demanded that they never use um, Excel, <laughs> sometimes successfully. Um, this list I'll go through rather quickly. But um, So now you, you're convinced that you need to have an IWMS application, that you need to implement something. So um, purchasing goes out, and they can bash their vendors, and they say, Give us some RFPs and what one looks like, and then we'll just shoot one out and then ask the industry to propose an IWMS for us. Well, well wait a minute. <laughs> How do you know what you want to implement? How do you know what your business needs are? How do you know what your tolerance is for the implementation pain? 90 to 120 days for implementation is a great idea. And um, some of the systems, you're able to do that. but. Um, uh, one client that I'm working with right now just for capital projects, um, it's going to be a six-month implementation, and that is half as long as it should take. We have to do a, um, a very consolidated implementation plan, which is very complex. Um, physician, heal thyself. Uh, between this and um, maybe the last one, yeah, between that and the last one, there's organizations out there that actually say, uh, we're going to buy the system, and we're going to implement it ourselves. And you know, all you can do is say, OK, we'll sell you the software, and um, this is your path to certification. And I will tell you that uh, once you've taken uh, the minimum two weeks for developer training in at least one application, um, and then try to take a certification test, you'll find that you need at least six to eight months of actual hands-on experience in implementing one of those applications before you can take that test and get, a, get a, a minimum score. These things are still very complex. Um, if you don't know where you're going, then any direction will do. This is uh, from the Tao of Pooh. Um, Piglet uh, made the statement. And, um, and that's if you don't have a plan. So 
generally this starts out with bringing a consultant in um, and, and analyzing your businesses, analyzing your processes, defining requirements, prioritizing your, your requirements, and then looking at the systems that would meet those requirements and then put those out for bid. And that's a very rational approach. It's one that, that creates success based on a successful process. We already have jobs. Why do you need us to help you? Okay, congratulations. You've decided that you want to implement an IWMS application. Um, and now you find that um, to implement, say, two of those silos, say, space, uh, space management, move management, and uh, capital planning or, ma or maintenance and operations, it's going to take a minimum of five full-time equivalent um, employees from the client organization that in order to work directly with the implementers in order to get it in. So unless you start budgeting internally as well as externally for the vendor, the software, and, um, and the implementation feeds, then it's going to fail, I guarantee it. Um, we want to mo do most of the implementation in-house. How do we get certified? And I, I think I just covered that a little bit. So jumping from <laughs> some failures, and there's a bloody story on every single one of those points that I just uh, brought up. Um, jumping from that into the trendy, well, what is the future going to look like? Um, uh, Cornet asked us to, uh, to ponder this, and now it's like two years ago, right? We sat at AT&T in Atlanta two years ago and um, got a group together. Um, Michael Swanstrom from BIG was, was there with us. Uh, Keith Persky, a lot of people know Keith. Uh, he was on the team, um, among several others. And uh, we came up with um, 15 uh, bold statements about what the future of technology was going to be, specifically within the workplace. And we then went out and we tested those bold statements against um, 120 um, corporate uh, technology and real estate people. And then of those, we interviewed um, 24 uh, people, each with an hour interview that the team made. Then we plotted each of our consolidated bold statements against a grid of likelihood for implementation and how visionary that was. And uh, we came up with some pretty surprising uh, results. So, and, and by the way, the, the Google Glass on the, on the upper right up there, that, that is a got to have. Maybe I, maybe I can't do that. What changes do you anticipate in technology in the next five to 10 years? Um, so you should, music? Time, music, 10 seconds? Improved devices, virtual working, coursework to be carried out virtually will be replaced with robots. And the answer is uh, two. Virtual working will become a bigger part of business. Well, that's not what Melissa Meyer says. <laughs> um, I think it'll settle itself out. Uh, most work will be carried out in virtual environments. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. Um, three years ago, the major tech conferences, and when I say the major tech conferences, these, these are subsets of subgroups of technology getting together to talk, and this is 8,000 people, okay? Three years ago, they were, all the vendors were talking about the evils of um, bring your own device. 
and how many uh, terrible things are going to happen to your corporation. This year uh, at IBM Pulse in Las Vegas last week, everyone was talking about, we got this. We expect that these devices are going to be used, and they've already modified their software applications to work directly with them. Not only in, in just a pure data mode, but also in graphics and data. So this is very important. Um, so um, I've gone over the objectives here in the timeline. We, we did the final reports in, the, in May of 2012, and it's amazing to me how many of these are already true, and I'll point those out to you. This is the grid that I was talking about, the time period from 2011 to um, 2020, and then the boldness of each of those. All right, so the bold statements, there's six of them. Always networked wireless devices with seemingly infinite memory have converged voice data, video communications in support of immediate and time-shifted smart access to business conversations, meetings, and presentations. So this was a mashup of a couple of bold statements, but a couple of very important points. Um, always networked wireless devices with limitless memory. What is the limitless memory today? It's already come true. It's the cloud. Everything is connected to the cloud. You have the SkyDrive, you have uh, whatever Apple is doing right now. It used to be me, it used to be whatever. Um, that's already true. We have access in this room to infinite memory. Um, I, in 10 years ago, I never thought that I would use a terabyte of information. Now in my condo, I've got four terabytes of storage. I don't know what it's doing, but it's remembering. <laughs> Um, and the last thing about this is, is that um, yesterday I read where people are already purchasing devices that record and see everything and all of the communications. And they time parse it, and then it goes to the cloud so that you can access it. I was talking to Rick the other day, and we were talking about baseball, and then that went into IWMS. He said something really cool. What was that? five minutes, and I can find the conversation, I can find a written record of it, and that's what's happening today. It's just come out. Bring your own technology. Two years ago, this was kind of a serious statement. I talked a couple moments ago. It's today. It's already happened, and yeah, BlackBerry is making play again. Windows Phone is coming out, and it's, it's I've got a couple of them right now, um, and it's going to take a large market share in the very near future because it's ubiquitous. It's more ubiquitous even than Apple devices. Interoperability standards, um, the Open Standards Consortium for Real Estate, this is um, the, the data standards part of what I was talking about in the mistakes. And it's absolutely necessary. We've, we have a, a framework for it. We're, um, the IWMS applications, uh, we do a lot of Tririga and Maximo. Um, they are already geared for that, so, so that's a positive. Intuitive environmental sensing. Th this is one with some ick factor to it, so bear with me. Intuitive environmental sensing provides emotional intelligence cues leading to reduced stress and increasing efficiency and effectiveness of space use and communication in the workplace. So if you've ever heard of the explanation of Google Glasses, which is to supplement real reality, in other words, what you're looking at, Google Glass um, projects information about what you're looking at. 
a fire station in Chicago. It'll give you the address, the size of the building, when it was built, what it was made from, and what its purpose is now. Now, imagine, if you will, <laughs> if the person that you were talking to, either through a teleconference or face-to-face, um, or -face, and you're wearing the Google Glass, imagine if those 12 points of emotional intelligence were relayed in a running, running uh, narrative on your Google Glass. So you could, you could visually see that, geez, that person has just exhibited um, some aspects of fear or some aspects of anger. And what was it that I said? So this is possible today. The ick factor is pretty high. <laughs> but you can start to imagine, you know, for <laughs> the, the, the empathy gap between women and men is um, small <laughs> or so there's a use, all right? Um, corporate real estate strategy now includes goodwill assets that include third places, home offices, everybody uses Starbucks and whatnot. And the point here was is that um, corporations are going to start to monetize that. They're going to start rolling those third places into their 10Ks, their 10Qs, and how they're reporting about how efficiently they're using space. So who's doing this today? Zappos in uh, downtown Las Vegas. They have invested $250 million in addition to their corporate headquarters move to downtown um, Las Vegas. They've invested in networking in the neighborhood in downtown Las Vegas. They've invested in bringing in stores that are community places for their employees to hang out at and so on. And this is a, a very important thing. They're taking credit for that, tax credit and so on, in their bottom line. And then finally, sensors placed in building systems enable real-time management of space availability and so on. These are the, the BAS systems, building uh, automation systems and so on. Five years ago, this, is, this would be preposterous. Two years ago, when we thought of this, um, we said, yeah, but they're still so expensive. And, and they're expensive to wire and they're expensive to, in cost and whatnot. Today, they're like chiclets. You, you can just throw them at the building, they'll self-adhere, and they'll start reporting on uh, fire dampers and, and valve boxes and, and the whole bit. So that, that's what we kind of saw. That's what we pre predicted. Um, Michael Pereira from Polycom, part of the team, he's written an article in uh, uh, the Leader magazine, just came out a couple days ago. Um, he did a very good coverage of it, um, not unlike what I just did. So please read that. And I think if the button works, that's all I've got to say. So thank you very much. We have a few more questions, Margie, if we can ask them. Questions? Questions from the audience? Oh, you do? Yeah. We have a question here from the mobile device that you're all invited to continue participating on. If you are going to implement multiple modules, do you recommend doing them consecutively or concurrently, and why? Um, an, another great question. If the business requirements state that you do them all, which is doubtful, um, th they should be prioritized. And if they are, in fact, all implemented at the same time, that's okay but you absolutely want to stick as close to out of the box as, as possible. Now, my preference when I'm working with clients 
is, especially with space, this is one that is normally implemented uh, first, is to implement that out of the box and try to live with the move management workflow that's already in there. It's a pretty good one. Fires off the emails for approval and takes the approvals and takes it to the next step and so on. Implementation of these kinds of systems straight out of the box um, for a large organization of uh, more than 10 million square feet will easily save several FTE counts out of the planning or facilities group. That's immediate savings that you can start um, gaining. When we do the business analysis and define the requirements, we have a parking lot. That parking lot becomes a roadmap, and I always recommend that implement out of the box, get the data working, get it normalized, um, start getting used to um, the reports. Then the next year, you, you know what uh, modifications you want to make to the system. You get those modifications made, a lot less expensive just to do those modifications over time. Great. Uh, given that integration issue and such, do you see a, a, a trend towards more consolidation of firms doing this work, you know, getting acquired by Oracle and similar kind of events? Or is it industry specific enough that uh, you think it'll stay separate? Um, I think that the, the number of applications that are, out there, uh, that are out there are certainly going to consolidate again. Um, the reason is, is because the sheer complexity of these systems and um, that if, if you look very closely to the industry right now, you'll notice that there's a couple of them out there with failed implementations. Now, for whatever reason, um, that implementation has failed. Um, you do a couple of those on a big scale, like on a $20 million level, and you're not going to survive, so you're going to have to consolidate with somebody else. Um, that's not the only reason, but... Uh, but that's a reason. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone notice on your mobile device that our survey is on there, so please fill out your survey. And there are some hard copy surveys if you're not utilizing the ARS. And please uh, give a round of applause for our speakers. Thank you very much. And we'll see you at next month's luncheon.